Welcome, and thank you for joining with us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As associate pastor, Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. We're going to be in Mark chapter 8 this evening. Uh, well, we're going to be all over tonight. We're going to start in Mark chapter 8 to see, and I'm going to do something a little unusual for my normal uh, sermons. So as you're turning there, let me give you a couple, let me give you this quick story that I read. I want to preach tonight, I'll give the title ahead of time. I don't want to jump ahead. No, I'll wait. I'll wait. Don't, don't do that yet. But anyhow, let me give the title here. And uh, I mean the story. <clears throat> there was a small little community that was, and there was a charitable uh, organization in the community, and they were trying to raise money often for their charity in town there. And they realized on a, a, a uh, they did some research, and they found that there was a lawyer in town, very successful lawyer, and success is the word for the even, I guess. And uh, they, they were checking in, and they found out that this guy makes over $2, two million a year, and he's never given, given any money to their charity. So as any good charity worker, they went to him and confronted him about why he never gave uh, to their charity. So this paid uh, uh, volunteer went to the uh, lawyer's lavis office and began having a meeting, and he said, our research shows that you make all this money, yet you never give a penny to the charity, and we would like for you to give something back to your community. That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? So the lawyer thinks for a minute, and he says this. He says, first of all, if you did your research, it should also show you that my mother is dying after a long, painful illness. She has a huge medical bills, and they are far beyond her ability to pay. His representative felt kind of embarrassed and said, no, I didn't know that. Secondly, the lawyer says, did it show that my brother is a disabled veteran? He's blind and confined to a wheelchair. He's unable to support his wife and his six children. This representative is feeling worse and worse about what he's done and what he said to this lawyer. And then thirdly, the lawyer says, if you had done your research, you'd have found out that uh, my sister's husband died in a dreadful car accident, leaving her penniless and uh, with a mortgage and three children, and one of whom is disabled, and another one has learning disabilities requiring a vast array of private tutors. By this time, this representative is so humiliated, they were saying, I'm so sorry, I had no idea, I really feel for you in your situation. And then the lawyer said, so if I didn't give any money to them, what makes you think I give any money to you? <laughs> uh, I found that little story. I thought it was very, very good. And uh, let's stand on our feet this evening and uh, start reading verse number 31 of Mark chapter 8. <clears throat> Mark chapter 8 and verse 31. Uh, very familiar passage to us this evening. I'll wait to get into the title and the, where I want to head this evening. Verse 31. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that up, saying openly, and he took him and began to rebuke him. But when he turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Poor Peter was always getting in trouble. Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, the things that be of man. And I want you to keep all this in context. I'm not going to really open this up this evening, but the context of this text here, 
Verse 34, and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I'm going to see, I want you to see that Jesus has given us three types of examples of how the Christian ought to live their life. And first he says here, you ought to uh, uh, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Then he says, verse 35, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's sake, the same shall save it. And then he says with the verses for this evening, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever, therefore, same context, shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in his glory of his Father with his holy angels. Thank you, Lord, so much for the word of God you've given to us. And, Lord, we are truly a needy people. Lord, we're an emotional people. We're a people that we get our feathers ruffled often. We're a people that sometimes we feel like no one understands or accepts us. And, Lord, I hope tonight maybe I can be a little help to all of us this evening and realize not how easy it may be but how we can be sure that we're living the kind of life that you'd have us to live, a profitable life, a successful life in your sight. I ask you to bless and give us all listening ears and a listening heart tonight. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Appreciate that. I'm going to, I'm not the, your, I guess I'm not the pastor, but I am a pastor, and I want to pastor everyone here tonight a little bit in the message uh, this passage, I'm jumping ahead in my, my introduction, this passage is not dealing about being saved or about getting saved. It's not dealing about if you chase the world and what it has for you, you'll lose your soul, you're going to die and go to hell. That's not the context of this passage, or though also in Matthew where we see the same thing. But the explanation for many is this. Well, if you, don't, if you live after, after gain of the world, you're lost your soul, you're lost. That's an easy explanation, but it's not a spiritual application. It's not something that helped me benefit my life or profit me in my life, what they're saying. They're trying to get an easy way out. And the value of, of a lifetime is so short. And I wonder if many of you are like me, that I often ask myself, have I invested my life in the proper things, in profitable things? I realize as Time presses on. I'm growing older. I have nothing really monetarily to leave behind for my children. And I thank God for that. I'm a proponent of you spend your kids' inheritance, leave them nothing. Let them get their own inheritance. You enjoy this time. I'm a, I'm a proponent of that. I push that. And, uh, and part of that's sarcastically. Part of it's funny. And part of it's uh, serious. And part of it, you should do something, I imagine. Uh, but, but, but life is so short, and have we truly put our time, our efforts into something profitable, and I mean individually, and it's not a monetary thing. It's not a some, the success that we make and acquire as far as the world may see, but we'll never know, really, if we've accomplished all we can do for Christ until we see him, but I do know that God is patient with us, and he's willing that none perish, and he's willing that none of us live our life discouraged, 
depressed, feeling like we're unprofitable in the kingdom of God and we haven't done anything for the cause of Christ. We shouldn't live that way. But the enemy wants us to live that way. They, he wants us to live defeated. He wants to get a hold of us emotionally and, and he wants to get a hold of us mentally and, and wear us down that way that we won't be anything profitable in the cause of Christ. I've been praying for a long time that God would give me the itinerary for my life. And I've yet to have it come in the mail. Email or snail mail or a text or however else God may use it or an angel knock on my door and say, hey, Barry, this is exactly what God wants you to do. And if you have those instructions, I'd like to talk to you and see how you got them. So I really don't know if I'm doing exactly what God would have me to do. But I know this, wherever, God, wherever I am at, I can be prof profitable for God where I am doing what he's asked me to do. So I don't know if I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do, but I can take God's word and I can find out are the things I'm not doing and the things am I doing, are they profitable for the kingdom of God? Jesus asked us, well, uh, uh, what is the profit of man if you gain the whole world, but yet you spend your life wondering, are you successful as a Christian? Are you profitable as a Christian? Uh, that word profit is a very interesting word. We normally think of it being materially uh, or even uh, uh, monetarily or even fame or fortune. But that word it, here in this text in, in Matthew is talking about uh, uh, what does it advantage me? What does it better me? What does it prevail me if I should gain this and, and lose my life, lose a, a life God would have me to live? Listen to this carefully. We all want to feel needed. We all want to feel accepted. We all want to feel appreciated by other people, don't we? And if you don't, something's seriously wrong with you. That's normal for every human being to feel those things. I, knew, I want to be accepted. I want to feel like I'm needed. I want to feel that others appreciate uh, me in some way. And then in verse 37, the Bible says, or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? What can I give in exchange to lose the successful, advantaged, better, prevailing life as a Christian? Uh, what can I do to gain those things? Or what can I do to lose that? Well, I'm talking about this evening, I hope I get... I get this a hard, this a, get this foundation laid here. Is that I'm not talking about wealth, what you gain materially. Because if you got any sense whatsoever, and you work a little bit in America, you can make some money. Shame on the person in America that can't make a living. Okay, a good living. Okay, so that that's not it. Where we're at here, but we're talking about spiritually. What does it profit me in my spiritual life if I could gain all of these things and yet lose my soul? I don't, I don't live with the satisfaction every day that I'm at peace with God. I'm at peace with each other. That, to me, is what profitable Christian life is all about. Proverbs, Proverbs, I'm sorry, Psalms 47 talks about they that trust in their wealth, they boast in themselves in the multitude of their riches, uh, uh, but for the redemption of their souls, and it never ceases. You can't pay, you can't pay enough to... Uh, feel good about your life and your soul. You can't pay enough money to feel good, even though we live in that age. 
James 5 talks about the same thing, about rich men weeping and howling in miseries uh, because their riches have corrupted them. So God here is not saying this, first of all, and I'll get ready to the message. God's not saying you cannot gain the world. But he's saying if you gain, if you gain the world and you've lost a successful and advantaged spiritual Christian life, you've lost your way in life. You're not what God would have you to be. You're not profitable to yourself or the kingdom of God. That would be not profitable for you. The text here is not about our salvation. It's about our benefiting our souls, the way we live. Are we profitable in the life that we're living? And listen, it starts with you, and it starts with me. And God's saying, if you gain everything that's out there, and yet you don't enjoy your life, you don't take the advantage of what God's given you, you've lost. You're missing out. What does the world have in comparison to heaven? So he's not putting down a condition for salvation, but he's stating the position of those who are saved. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me. And this is where we're at in our Christianity today. We're ashamed of him. Well, we don't tell people everything about us. We don't tell them what's going on and all those things. Well, we're ashamed. Because we are being looked down upon. But I want to live a prosperous life every day of my life. Whether you accept me or not, I know I've been accepted. I wish you would accept me. But if you don't, I'm still accepted. I don't want my feelings, my emotions to control my daily life because somebody didn't pat me on the back when they should have. How's that? Because God has already done everything for me I need to have done for me. And I can live a life profitable daily without necessarily your encouragement or help. But it would be grateful if you did. So here, here's my, my proposition. This is, a, uh, uh, this is a Murrayism. Success in life is the vehicle that everything I do bring profits to God and not to me. But it does profit me. If I live a life that's profitable in the kingdom of God, it does profit me every day of my life. So tonight, I want to talk to you for a little bit about how can I be pleased with myself, something like that, the title, put it up there, guys, so I remember, yeah, how can I be pleased with myself? This is not a self-help sermon tonight. I think I have seven things that are not profitable I think I have six things that are profitable. I got out of Scripture. I'm just chasing all over the Scripture. And there are many, many more I didn't get to and have time to. And I could probably spend time on many of these points a lot longer. I won't do that tonight. But I want to give you quickly uh, these things that are not, what are not profitable for me to worry about. And what are some things I, that are profitable for me to worry about. And those things I should dwell on that I can have a profitable life every day of my life as I serve God. As I go about my business serving God. See, we've put it in a, a category of category this, if you do this every week or do this every day and do this every day and this every day, then you're profitable. I don't think that's how we live. I think it's an outlook of how we see what is profitable and what is not profitable in uh, uh, principles. And I'm going to talk about those this evening quickly. Uh, so things that, are, that there are no profit for. Things there are no profit for. Some of these I'll spend time. Some of these I won't be, uh, but I will. But let me give these seven things quickly. Number one, there is no profit in living faithless. There's no profit in living faithless. 
uh, Romans 3, so what advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there in circumcision, talking about the law, much, uh, much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God, but what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? And we're talking here about circumcision. I won't get into all that this evening. Pastor Dean has, has beautifully clarified that on Wednesday night for us, so I won't go talk about that tonight. And he's going to go on to it more when you get chapter 3 like I am tonight. But, but listen, what he's talking about is when I choose to live a life following the law and not living by faith. I am to live a life by faith. Living, uh, living a life of faithfulness is not, is not profitable. What advantage is there in the law? The law is a schoolmaster. The law is a, something, a plumb line I can follow and see how I should live. But there's no advantage by, if I kept all the laws, which I can't. I still have to live by faith. And I can testify to Stephen, we won't spend a lot of time on this point tonight, but uh, living by faith has a lot of surprises. It brings a lot of enjoyment when you see the hand of the God moving when you decide to live a life of faith. I know some of you younger ones, you're saying, I don't understand. You won't, but when you're 62, you'll understand what I'm saying tonight. I was talking with our speaker last night before, uh, before he spoke to us at the senior adults last night, uh, Richard Childress, the race car uh, owner, and uh, uh, that was a fun time. But he was, we were talking, and it was funny how he pastored for many years, and I pastored for many years at our, our own church, and we had a lot of things in common. And, and he, he said what we already agreed to is that when you live by faith, you have no idea what's coming around the corner. He had no idea he would be representing the, the North Carolina Baptist Foundation like he is when he was pastoring. And where he's at in this time of life. And you don't know. I had no idea. And I was telling him a story when we moved down here. I had no idea. I didn't even know what Central Baptist Church was all about. And here I live five, lived, used to live five minutes away from me. Now I live too far away anyhow. But I live five minutes away. And everything has transpired since then. Why? That happened because Barry and Andrew decided to move out by faith and follow God. I don't want to live a faithless life. God has taken care of me, but many times we in church world and we in our lives, well, I've, I've done this, this, and this. I follow this rule and this rule and this rule, and I'm still miserable. You know why? Because you're not living by faith. You're living by following a bunch of rules. There's no advantage in committing the oracles of God but living by faith. God is true, and every man a liar. So to be profitable is living by faith and not by the law. In Acts 15, the first real church questions or trouble came up just talked a few weeks ago in my class when some pharisees it's always pharisees it's always the people who say they're religious but they're really dead they say well you can't be saved unless you're what circumcised right and i, I really am surprised about paul and barnabas why they had to travel back to find an answer out for that because you think paul would know better but Paul and Barnabas traveled back to Jerusalem uh, to the apostles and the elders, find out what was going on, and there was much discussion there. Uh, Peter, of course, said there's no difference between, between any person. Uh, he said in Acts 15, 11, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they. We're all saved the same way. And then uh, uh, they said, that's great. They kept quiet there. And then Paul told the miracles that was happening where they were at. Pastor James finally got up and spoke. And uh, he said, but we write unto them that they abstain from pollution of idols. James said, I'm not concerned about your circumcision. I'm concerned about you following the idols. And he gave some recommendations that they should follow as they went back. And listen, it's not about following 
a bunch of rules and laws. It's that we're living faithless. We really don't believe. I don't know of a single person in this room that starved to death. I don't know of anybody in this room that didn't come here by some type of vehicle. I don't know too many in this room that don't have a job or have a means of income. God's been pretty good to you. And he'll still be good to you, even if you lost it all. He'll still be good to you. We shouldn't live faith. I've got to hurry here. Number two, there's no profit in selling out to your flesh. And I had a hard time with this one for a morsel of meat. I struggle with this point. I don't want to talk about this. But there's no profit in selling out your flesh for a morsel of meat. Genesis 25, Esau comes back from being out, and he felt he was so famished, and he was so wore out from being out hunting. And uh, I thought it was kind of funny. You're out hunting, you come back hungry. But he came back hungry, and he sold his birthright for a bowl of something. And you can make it wherever you want to be. Bowl of porridge. Chili. Whatever you want. I don't care. Vegetable soup. Had a good vegetable soup last night. Amen. But he sold his spiritual inheritance, if you would, for a morsel of food. And listen tonight, folks, we cannot, we're not going to profit by selling out to our flesh. Our flesh is weak. But our flesh should not be controlling what we do or what we don't do. Our spirit should be controlling what we do and what we don't do. But we're selling out today for whatever feels good. We're selling out today, and there's no profit in that. You're not going to be happy. You're not going to feel advantage. You're not going to feel like you're up ahead of something when you choose to live that way. Uh, uh, and when you sell out for something, uh, listen, uh, for just a piece of meat, even Hebrews 12 talks about that, and it kind of compares Esau's uh, giving up his birthright to a fornicator. And, uh, and Esau failed to realize the price of one morsel of food, and he despised the birthright when he gave it away until Jacob took it away, stole it away. And he failed to realize that. And Hebrews put a profane person, uh, profane person with a fornicator to satisfy the flesh. And this evening, I see that we, as God's people, were selling out for the flesh. And there's no profit in that spiritually. You will not feel like you are living the life God would have you to live when you're selling yourself out for some fleshly, worldly satisfaction. It's not going to happen. You know, you're going to feel run down. You're going to feel like you're not on top side in your Christian life. You're going to feel like you're discomfort. And, uh, but we live in the greatest country in the world. You can get what you want to be. You can achieve what you want to have. But it hasn't always been that way. Somebody paid for you to be what you're at today. I never forget my wife and I, we first got married, and we got married in 1980, and uh, that was thing like just yesterday, so many years ago, and so many stories. And uh, uh, I got married on my 20th birthday. She had just turned 18 in, in October. We were just so young and dumb. <laughs> but anyhow, well, we got married, and one of the things her dad said to me when we were getting married, I was working, at a, uh, I was working as a mechanic at a, a retail store, and uh, her dad felt like that that wasn't a proper job for someone to have who wanted to get married. So I left that job and went to a factory job, drove almost an hour to go to Cleveland, Ohio, where, uh, from our place to work a job, a factory job, so that we could, I could support her. And he was correct about that, by the way. 
And uh, so we got married November 28th on my birthday. And by the first of the year, I was laid off from that factory job. <laughs> New married couple, had a little studio apartment uh, that we were living in. Uh, our couch was our hide-a-bed. You know, I'm talk- some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you need to go back there and remember those days, by the way. And we got married, and we didn't have, we didn't have, <laughs> we didn't have anything. I think my, my unemployment benefit was like $74 a week. I know that's back in the ages. Anti, I know it was a long time ago. But anyhow. But my wife and I learned back in those early days that it wasn't about the morsel of meat that made us happy. It was about the God that we were serving together as a married couple in our church. We were involved in our church, and I was involved fixing our, we had a big bus ministry right in the middle of nowhere, big bus ministry, and we were bus workers, and I was the bus mechanic, a bus mechanic, and I, while I was laid off, I started painting our buses, pulled them in the garage in the middle of winter, and I painted them, make them look real nice and shiny, and uh, whatnot. And I got busy serving the Lord, and I found there was profit there, and uh, even though I was laid off, and, and uh, today you want to get married, you want to have the house your parents have, you want to have the car your parents have, you don't want to pay the price for it. Do not sell your, your uh, 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 happiness. Don't sell your profitable living life for a few things. Just wait. They'll come in time. They'll come in time. And they have come to us in time, those things that some people look like. i got to hurry. Number three, there's no profit in trying to destroy people who aren't like us. Esther, Haman, the, the wicked Haman, came to Hazuerus. He said, hey, listen, there's a bunch of people among us, uh, the Jewish people that are among us, and they're diverse from us. They're different than we are. They don't keep the king's law. There's no profit with them in Esther chapter 3, verse 8. And he says, there's no profit to suffer them. And Haman was beseeching the king to destroy the Jewish people. And we know the story. And the king said, there no, can't be any profit in these people being around us. And just because someone isn't like us, doesn't mean we need to get, get rid of them. And this evening, we're living in a time where if someone's not like we are, we want to destroy them, not just, just uh, disassociate. We don't want to be anything, anything with them. We want to destroy them, get rid of them. What profit is there? What are we going to gain by destroying someone else? How are we going to have a, a relationship with God where our heart is hatred and destruction and destroying of God, other God's people. And listen, one of the things that will change your life when you realize the person you hate, God loves as much as he loves you. And the people who aren't like you are, God loves them and Jesus died for them just as much as he died for you. And there's no profit in trying to uh, separate ourselves from other humans who God loves their living soul. But we think there's profit and what I've seen happen in others, we try to destroy people. It's happened in our homes and our schools and places of work. And, and uh, we all understand that uh, I could spend a lot of time on those places. I remember in school, uh, I was kind of big and dopey kind of when I was in school. And I got, I guess you'd call it bully, but we did. We fought about it. Once we fought, it was all over. Nowadays, I don't know what they do. Sometimes you should let the guys fight it out. <laughs> That's my opinion. And then nobody wins and their buddies after that. That's what happened to me. But it's amazing today in the church world how many people know exactly what the pastor should do, but they don't want to be in charge. And they don't want to pastor. But they know know what he should be doing and what he shouldn't say and should say. 
say, how do you know that? I've had the same problem. I had one man who was so bold, he would come out the door after church and shake my hand and criticize my sermon right there I just preached. And I was nice and being with people behind him and people heard what he said and they say, how can you put up with that? I said, well, God loves him as he loves me too. I have no idea why I came to church. Finally, finally uh, uh, he ran off. But anyhow, <clears throat> but I don't understand all that. But there's no profit in me trying to destroy that person who's different than me. I've got to hurry. Number four, there's no profit in believing just because I have labored with my hands. I am profitable. This one kind of hurt me. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 11 says, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, on all the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. I spent all this time working hard. And, you know, sometimes we say, you work hard, it's great profit, right? And Solomon said, I've done all this, and yet I look at myself and it's not been worthwhile. It's not been, uh, it's not been worth anything. It's a vexation of spirit. It's a vanity of mine. I work so hard at this, and uh, this is what I got. And he says, wow, that's really nothing. And listen, we should work for those things that are profitable, we'll hit that in a minute, in the kingdom of God. My labor under the sun is because the son who, who saved me and who I've served, he should get the credit and the glory. So you and I limit ourselves because we live like, like, like we did it instead of thanking God for allowing us to do it. Numbers five, and I'm hurrying here to get through because I want to get to the last, last few because they're more profitable, I think. But there's no profit in inheriting lies and vanities of false gods. And I'm going to go back through this to Jeremiah. But works of, unrighteous, works, works of self-righteousness. And where we're at today, where everything is about me and what I've done, and I've done this, and we're making gods unto ourselves, and I don't want to spend time on that. There's no profit there. Uh, Psalm says about that when I go, uh, uh, shall I get praise? So I'm going to hurry here. So I want to get quickly uh, on number six here. There's no profit in saying... And this is very interesting. There's no prophet in saying that it's vain to serve the Lord. It's vain to serve Malachi chapter 3. And I want to I read this to you. Sorry, it's not about tithing. But Malachi is a very interesting thought here. That I don't know if you've ever heard of it before. You, you say it is vain to serve God. And what prophet is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord our, of hosts, and now we call the proud happy, yea, that, wicked, that work wickedness and are set up, yea, that tempt God even, uh, are even delivered. And this is the, what I want to get to here. They that fear the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it in a book of remembrance was written before them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. I'll never forget this. I preached this verse many, many years ago. Church, I, got, I did his funeral a couple years ago when I was here, went up there and preached this man's funeral. And he had been in church his whole life. And he said, Pastor, I never heard that before. The book of remembrance. Here's what I believe this evening. This may be a Murrayism, but I'm pretty sure scriptural that there's a book of how I serve God in my life. And it's a book of remembrance. It's a book that tells what I did. 
Did I do, did things that were profitable for the cause of Christ? Or did I do things that were profitable for me? And those that feared the Lord, and those that thought upon his name, there was a book of remembrance. And I, I'm just uh, kind of visualize things as, as some do, and I try to visualize this. I'm just thinking someday when we stand in front of, uh, stand in front of God, uh, he's going to open up the book and say, here's a book of remembrance we have about you. Is that when all the rocks and the walls and the trees start talking back of your life and all the things you've spoken and you've done? But there's no profit in saying it's, it's vain to serve the Lord. Listen, there, it's vain for you to say, boy, I don't know why I came to church tonight. We shouldn't live that way. There's no profit in that. We have friends and family say, why did you go to church? Why do you go to church all those times? Why did you go there and hear that and hear those guys yell and scream and holler at you? Because there's profit in it. When they say it's vain. And uh, I got to tell you, we had drive by, I drove by there this afternoon after church heading home on Webb Road. There's a big flea market there. There's a lot of profit in that, that place today. It was filled full of people, but not the same profit I got this morning in the message. And I wonder how many of folks, those folks belong to a church show up whenever the market's closed. I want to live that's profitable. I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself here. Number seven, uh, there's no profit in talking with words that make no sense. <laughs> Anybody know that? Conversation of no importance. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.14, of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit but the subverting of the hearers. Listen, our conver- is our conversation profitable? Is it worthy? Uh, do our words uh, follow the ground? Listen, we ought to think about our conversations we have with people, and are they really important? Are they, are, are they worth anything? Well, I talked to them for an hour. Okay, but was it profitable? Or was it not profitable? Let me give you these things quickly, and they are quick, I promise you. Things that are profitable. Here are how I can do to help my life every day. I can feel like I'm, I'm advantaging myself spiritually. I'm helping myself out. There's six of them. They won't be very long. I used to tell people to buy the CDs. We could use the money, but we don't sell CDs. We don't even sell DVDs. And uh, do we charge for podcasts? Do we make any money anywhere on this stuff? Anyhow, no. Okay, all right. So now I grew up, I grew up anyhow, I got it one here. I used to tell people to buy the CDs if you don't catch everything. Number, number one is this. What is profitable? Our labor for the Lord is profitable. Proverbs 14 says, In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips of tenery only to punery. Listen, uh, our labor for the Lord is profitable. Whatever we do for the Lord is profitable. And listen, living a life for God, it helps you. It helps me daily in my life. And I get to serve the Lord, not just at church, but where I work at, where I live at, my neighborhood, uh, uh, where, I, where I go to in the store, helping folks in the store. You should be the most kind, courteous person in the store. You should be willing to uh, uh, do whatever it takes to help somebody out along the way in this crazy world we live in today. I, my labor for the Lord is just trying to be kind to somebody. Casting some bread upon the water, right? Just trying to be profitable. Everything I do is for the Lord. Why am I doing this? Because I, I love people, but I love the Lord. Trying to help the Lord. Number two, uh, uh, what's profitable? God's creation, the earth and all God's creation is profitable. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 9. Listen, we ought to enjoy God's nature. It's profitable for us. 
If you take some time and you'll look at, at it, I know, I know we do, I love pictures of scenes around the world. I don't want to go there, but I want to see the pictures. When you see what God did for us that we might enjoy, that's profitable for us. Now, I know some that you think your church is on the lake on Sunday morning catching fish because it's beautiful out there. I'm not talking about that. But I think it's wonderful when you see, when you realize, as we were in the Grand Canyon a few years ago, well, a number of years ago now, we are in the Grand Canyon, and to think that God took his finger and he formed the Grand Canyon to be a mile deep and a mile wide, and all that was there, and it snowed a couple days before we got there. What a beautiful scenery, and you see that beautiful thing that God made for us. We ought to enjoy it. We ought to love it. The mountains in North Carolina, we, uh, we like, and, and, and whatever the beach draw is, you all that love the beach, I don't know, I, hate, I don't like getting sunburned, and I don't like sand on my toes. But I like the eating out there, Amen. But everything that God has given to us and the ocean and, and the things we ought to enjoy, that's profitable for us. Realize that God made that for you. It should help us in our spiritual life. Look at number three, profit and wisdom and being able to see the sun. The profit and wisdom and being able to see the sun. Ecclesiastes 7, wisdom is good with an inheritance and by it there, there is profit to them that see the sun, and again, we talk about uh, the sun and God's creation, what he's done for us. It's, there's something wonderful about that. Because I grew up, I don't know about you, but I grew up, we were told if you stare at the sun, you turn into a, a what? Anybody know? A lizard. We were told by my mom, if you stare at the sun too long, you're going to be a lizard. I don't know why she would say that. I think the same person told her that that told us we shouldn't go in the water until an hour after we after we ate right that's a lie but why do moms do that they lie to you they, they don't love you they lie to you but there's profit uh when we're able to see again uh the sun uh number four i'm going to quickly get out of here number four uh, i know someone's going to holler at this there's profit in marriage there's profit in marriage 1 Corinthians 7, Paul talks about this and talks about uh, a virgin being past, uh, being past her time, and it's not a sin to marry her. He said, let them get married. There's a profit in being married. Why? Because you're picturing the bride of Christ when you get married. And boy, I could spend all night on what's happening to marriages and what's going on, I'm not going to, but there's a prophet. There's a prophet in being married to the same woman now for almost oh, over 42 years. She knows me, and I know her, so we never talk. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm talking about, we already know each other. No, that's not true. If you know my wife, you know we talk. And, uh, uh, but uh, anyhow, I don't mean that in a bad way. But my wife doesn't know a stranger. She's the only one that goes. Maybe we're traveling somewhere. We go into a rest stop. She comes out with a friend of the bathroom. And uh, every time she comes out with somebody. Anyhow. But there's profit in marriage. There's something in that joint together. We cleaving one to another. And I do find as the years go by, it gets sweeter as the days go by. We stay committed and we love each other. There's profit in that. Those are things that help me live advantage in my Christian life, being married. 
It's profitable. Number five, profit in being concerned about others being saved. And I know the kind of church we're involved in, the kind of people we're here tonight, but listen, there's profit to you spiritually for being concerned about the lost souls of man. 1 Corinthians 10 says, Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. There is profit in living every day of our life, looking for those lost people that Christ would have us talk to about their salvation and about the work our church does to reach the gospel to those around us. There's profit in that. There's something that gives you life. I'm going to tell you, I've seen many folks come to Christ in my lifetime. There's no joy like that joy. Well, maybe the joy when your baby's born, but there's a joy when people get saved. That you just can't explain. There's profit in that. I love that. Number six, there's profit in being chastised by the Lord. And I'm done. This is the last point. There's profit in being chastised by the Lord. Hebrews 12.10 talks about uh, being chastened uh, after our own pleasures. It's for, uh, for our profit. And I, I take it from this couple things and I'll be done. Two things about being chastised is I realize that I'm not perfect. I know some of you are, but I'm, I'm not perfect. But really what I take from this is that it tells me that I'm saved. Because God chastens those whom are saved, whom he loves. And when God chastens me, it's again reminding me of who my father is and who I belong to. And there's profit in that for me. I feel good about that. I don't feel good about the chastisement. But I feel good knowing that my heavenly father is not going to let me get away without him getting, getting my attention. My mom... And I'll leave it, <laughs> I'll talk about it for a second, and I'm done. My mom had a way of getting, there were four boys, um, one of four brothers. And if you can imagine a house with four boys, growing up with a dad having uh, serious health issues, not being home for many, many years, and then passing away, trying to keep four boys on the straight and narrow. My mom had a way, whether it was a shoe flying across the room, whether it was a stand-up lamp stand that we used to have in the house, she'd pick it up and she'd swing it like a baseball bat. Whether it was like a broom. Or while you're sleeping in the middle of the night, she walks up and drags you out of the bed and tells you to go back down there and do those dishes again. But there's something I knew about my mom. She loved us. And I'm so glad she tried to keep us straight. She didn't do a very good job, but she tried to keep us straight. No, I'm just teasing. We, I think we all came out pretty well, all four of us. But I knew she loved me because she chastised me. And this evening, if you feel the chastisement of God, there's profit in that for you. You accept it, you get things right, and you thank the Lord that you belong to him. Amen. And that he's willing to every now and then pull you over his leg and paddle you and let you have it. Thank you, Lord, so much for the word of God. Help us to live profitable lives, Father. Lord, some of us are stale, we're stagnant in our spiritual life. We don't feel that joy and that happiness that we should have because we're kind of living with unprofitable things in our lives. 
yes, sin is a part of that. I didn't get that this evening, Father, but, but are we spiritually practicing those things that are profitable for us? Serving you, serving others, caring for those that uh, are different than we are, realizing when you chastise us that you do it because you love us, you care for us. And I want to have a profitable life that I feel like I've been accepted. I feel like someone's encouraging me every day in my life, and it's you, because I'm trying to live a life that's not only pleasing to you and profitable for you, but it's profitable for me also spiritually. With our heads bowed this evening, I hope this evening I got out what was on my heart. I'm not sure I did. I tried to get out the best I could what was on my heart this evening for all of us. But some of us are living stale, stagnant lives, and we just go through the rituals of life every day. We're not really enjoying our Christianity. We're not really enjoying our life. Tonight, I kind of hope that I get a spark going. I know the Spirit of God can do a whole lot more than I can do in a message. But uh, are we living life doing profitable things or things that aren't profitable because we haven't got caught or whatever it may be? As you sit there at your seat this evening, we're going to stand a moment, sing a few verses. If God spoke to you, as always, the altar's open. But you have to examine yourself. Are you really enjoying the life that God's given you, that eternal life? Or is it kind of stale? Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.